You're listening to the Hard Hedge, UVA's only independent basketball podcast hosted by two guys, one of whom happens to be a fake coach. Fake coach. Get up out your seat, you can have my drink, let me see you dance. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Pittman and Phony Bennett. When the sun falls, the sun falls, then the moonlight, the moonlight, might be a hell of a night. Go, go, go. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Hard Hedge. Here we sit, guys. Only 50 days away from basketball. It's hard to believe. A couple of weeks away from practice, which is when I think the season officially starts. I know that I'm I'm super excited. My man Phony Ben is with me as as always. Phony, how you feeling about it, buddy? Man, 50 days. See, I, I look at the the 50 day count. Like until they tip off, it, it it's not a big difference in my life. So uh, I know John Rothstein continually counts down to the first day of practice, which uh, I, I mean I'm I'm excited that the guys are going to be practicing and all, but but I want to see them on my TV, and, and that's not going to happen until November 13th, I believe. Well, you're going to uh, see him in person. Oh, yeah, I'm going to see him in person a lot this year. Yeah, that's right. Uh, our first guest, or our only guest tonight, uh, joining us from the Sabre.com, the managing editor, Chris Wright. Chris, how you doing tonight, buddy? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we're thrilled to have you on. Uh, obviously, the Sabre.com, uh, I've been going to that website uh, religiously since I w- about 2001, um, and it's it's funny. My my wife even has a, a term for it when I'm locked in on my computer and she's asking me questions and I'm not answering. She calls it sabering, uh, and she gets very frustrated with, when I'm saber, sabering <laughs> and not paying attention to her. Uh, but uh, you do great work at the site. Uh, uh, it's a fantastic place for UVA fans to convene. If if you haven't been there, and I'm sure 97% of you listening have, but that other 3%, you need to hop over there. I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to sabering when we zone out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do read it a lot. I tried to register an account there a few years ago, and my Gmail address was rejected. So um, I, I don't post, but uh, it's it's a great site, and, and I try to give credit whenever I steal a link uh, from from your site. It's a it's a good job you do over there. And we reopened free email since then. So oh, really? <laughs> we had it blocked uh, temporarily because we were having some. Uh, interlopers causing trouble on the on the free boards. Gotcha. Um, well, I might have to uh, get back on that. That's good to know. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I don't think many people know that you are a, a high school level basketball coach, correct, Chris? I am. I'm on, I think, year 15 of coaching high school basketball. That's great. And uh, w- which school is it? I'm, I'm at Western Albemarle high school, high school coaching the varsity girls, and that's like 10 minutes outside of Charlottesville itself. That's what I thought. I thought it was Western Western Albemarle. I didn't want to. I just didn't want to speak incorrectly. But yeah, we're gonna. Uh, I, I love uh, some of the features on your site where you really dive into the X's and O's. Uh, it's one of the main reasons I'm a paid member of your site uh, is for that content, and I'm gonna make sure that uh, I get a few good X and O questions in there a little later for you. But uh, I, I figured we should probably just kind of get caught up on some of the um, goings on in the last few weeks because we've been absent. Uh, First of all, the, the commitment of DeAndre Hunter, uh, you know, who kind of sealed up that final spot in the two th- 2016 class. It was kind of looking like it was a race there to see uh, between a couple different players who was going to get that last spot. I'll start with you, Chris. Uh, have you seen much of DeAndre Hunter's film, and, and what do you think he brings to the table for this team? Yeah, he obviously wrapped up that 2017, 2018. 2000- 
18 uh, class for when they'll be sophomores. I skipped a year. But 2016-2017 class, um, he was the last one in. So there's a no vacancy sign um, up for now um, when it comes to, to that year. So Virginia's already moved on to the to the out years in terms of who they're monitoring. I know they've been on the road um, last week and this week kind of getting a look at those next two years out guys when they have limited scholarships in the following year and then a bunch again in 2018. So um, Hunter was the last guy in. He, he was what they needed. They needed another wing, preferably a long wing that could um, potentially be a shutdown defender, and it sounds like he is those things. I kind of have a personal rule. I don't watch highlights. <laughs> um, if I can get my hands on a whole game, I'll watch a whole game. Um, but I haven't been able to do that with DeAndre yet. So I haven't watched him much other than a couple of things that get linked to the message board. But talking to Chris Horn, who's our recruiting guru, he said it was exactly what they needed to round out that class and give it some balance um, and continue to give Coach Bennett what, what he wants, which is ultimately uh, complete wings that can play either two spots or maybe even three spots if they can be at a lead guard. And it seems, sounds like Hunter can at least play the two and the three and you know, maybe in a stretch situation, play small ball and play the four. So um, perfect fit for what, what they were filling the class out with. How about you, Phony? You know, I, looking at what we came down to, I mean, we were obviously looking for a wing, and, and it was between Hunter and Blackwell. You know, my understanding, Blackwell was more the athlete. Hunter is more the shooter. And given some of our offensive challenges throughout the years i'm always happy to get a shooter i think we've got some real athletes on this team and and looking at his film i mean he seems like a pretty good athlete as well so i'm real excited about it honestly it was one of those things whoever committed was going to be my favorite of the two and uh that that's how it worked out uh honor's my favorite right well you know to me he seems like a, a kid that does a lot of things well maybe not one thing you know outstanding but a, a lot of things well uh, and, and is very flexible and, and a strong defender and, and just kind of complements the rest of the class really well. Um, you know, excited about him. Another guy that I think is going to continue to rise every time these rankings come out based on, you know, his play between, um, you know, anything I hear between sessions. It's just like he, he, sli- he slightly improves from, from one uh, AAU event or one uh, function to the next. So I like DeAndre a lot. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, Diakite enrolling early. Obviously, we all knew that this was a strong possibility. They've been hinting it all along. Um, Mamadi himself uh, was pretty confident what happened. But uh, Chris, you know, w- what does that do for a, for a young man like that that that's needs to come in and develop to be able to practice with the team for a full year? Um, you know, how do you think that's going to help him down the line? I think it helps both him and the program because it balanced out some numbers and it along with the, the decommit of Kilia Jones, opened up a spot for Austin Nichols. So um, him being able to enroll early is, is good for him and the program as a whole. I think for him in particular, and especially in, in this given year, being able to enroll ahead of time with these guys. I mean, he's going against Mike Toby and Anthony Gill on a regular basis, as well as Austin Nichols, um, who will have to sit out this year as a transfer. He's going to be going against all three of those guys day in and day out. And I know he plays a lot of good competition um, when he was at Blue Ridge and, uh, you know, the Barons bounce around and play a lot of, of high-level uh, recruits on, on various teams. But that's not the same thing as playing those two seniors um, and a really experienced player in Nichols every day in practice. So it would probably be very eye-opening for him, I imagine. And the, the really big part, and I think everyone knows this, is he's in a year early with Mike Curtis. And that's... 
uh, immeasurable, really. I mean, Mike Curtis is at the top of his profession. There is no one better um, at athletic training and preparing guys in the country right now. And I feel very confident in saying that. There may be some people as good, but there's no one better. Um, Virginia's very fortunate to have an alum that was that skilled at what he does. So that's going to be huge for, for Mamadi at, you know, to be able to work with him for a whole year um, before he has to take on college uh, aged men in real games versus in practice. Yeah, I think it's crazy. Uh, speaking of Mike Curtis, uh, the pictures that I saw over the weekend of, of the uh, basketball guys giving out tickets at the football game, Jared Reuter has literally lost 55 pounds since he came on campus. Uh, and it's just came from a, just a slightly pudgy type, you know, post player to all of a sudden in an unbelievably short amount of time. He's like a brick house. Uh, and we talked a lot about Mike Curtis on, on our last podcast and just how he is the you know unheralded mvp of this program uh but you know it's the possibilities are endless what he can do with a guy like diakite and phony uh, you know what are your opinions on on diakite diakite rolling enrolling early and and um you know well you, you know one, one of the things that i think it, you know is overlooked a little bit here is you know he gets a year of college without the pressure of having to play and and I think for a foreign player trying to adapt and, and he you know wasn't in American high school for that long I, I think that's going to be very valuable I mean he'll still be obviously practicing with the team and stuff but I, I think he can getting college under his belt uh, will hopefully help the rest of his college career and uh, uh, you know help him focus on being a, a better player next year when he doesn't have to worry so much about that right now yeah absolutely well, let's uh, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and uh, start talking about this schedule, which has come out since we uh, last convened. Uh, a, a quite daunting schedule at that, at least in the non-conference. Uh, you know, I can certainly say that in, in my time following Virginia basketball, I, I don't remember a, a non-conference schedule quite this tough. Um, you know, I guess we can just kind of break this down in a couple different segments and and kind of start at the beginning the, the first couple games and and through the uh the uh tournament play in the charleston classic and the, and the jimmy v classic uh but we open up with with morgan state at home obviously one of the only two real cupcake type games that i've seen on the schedule and you know based in, in virginia's recent past that there's been you know five or six of those usually in the non-conference but then we go straight to george washington uh, a, a tough test on the road, uh, Chris Wright. You know, what are your thoughts about us getting out on the road to see George Washington that early in the year? That's one thing I like a lot about Coach Bennett. He's not real intimidated about bouncing around to some of these state schools now that he's got his um, program established. You know, opened at JMU last year, and I know JMU is not a, a tournament threat like George Washington is year in and year out, but still to go on the road at JMU, to go on the road at George Washington, they've been to George Mason. Um, I just like it. It's something that I, that I really appreciate about the way he's running the program. It's going to be a huge test that early in the season. Fortunately, Virginia is very experienced, so a lot of the guys are going to be playing a lot of minutes um, in that game. Have been through things a lot worse than playing at George Washington. You know, they played in Cameron and and they played at Virginia Tech, and I, I know that one sounds silly because of the caliber of basketball at Virginia Tech, but the atmosphere there, the fans uh, get on Virginia players a little bit. So um, I don't think they'll be overly intimidated by it but anytime you're playing a team of that caliber on the road in the first week of the season it's one that gets your attention you know gw gave them fits last year for a little over a half in the jpj so 
um, they certainly are well coached and they have a lot of those players back. So that's the first, you know, a one battle of the season. And they're going to be a lot of them with, with this particular schedule. Yeah, I don't really look at them as a mid-major. I mean, you know, with a guy like uh, you know Mike Lonergan, I mean, he's probably one of the top five mid-major coaches out there, and he's going to have the team ready to go early in the season. So uh, if you're looking for losses in the non-conference schedule, I mean, that's going to be one of the most likely ones. I still like our experience in that game, and I think having this many returning guys is, is going to give us the win there, but uh, we'll be tested for sure. Yeah, GW is going to come into that game looking to make a statement. There's no question, but um, you know our our athleticism, our our strength. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a tough match for them, and, and hopefully we can get out of there with a win. Uh, the Charleston Classic guys that starts with Bradley, uh, most likely Seton Hall. After that, um, pretty good chance we get through that event unscathed. Man, I hope so. Uh, I mean, that's not the most intimidating uh, lineup that I've seen. I mean, it's early in the season, and until the lineups really gel, a lot of different things are possible. Uh, but I, I don't know much about Seton Hall. Maybe they're going to have a breakout year this year. But looking at that lineup, that doesn't scare me. Yeah, I think Virginia would be heavily favored in that field. You know, they, they've played pretty well these last couple of years in these early season tournaments. Um, they've well, had a that wasn't different. always the case. Yeah, that wasn't always the case. Yeah, we all remember the the Cleveland States and trips to Puerto Rico and places like that where that Chaminade. Well, in those in those tournaments. So I guess we'll see where it goes. But but I would think Virginia is definitely favored in there. But you got to remember, like last year around Thanksgiving, they were having all kinds of trouble late in the game with LaSalle, who they were up big on. So you never know with, with early season tournaments. Yep, that's right. And uh, we shortly after that, there's another. Kind of like Lehigh, you know, has has is not exactly a full pushover. They've they've had some success, um, but I think the last couple of years they've been down again. We should be able to roll over them pretty easily, you know. Then starts the December uh, non-conference uh, schedule from hell, which is which is a great thing. I'm I'm really excited about it. Uh, starting right there with Ohio State on the road in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, where do you see that one going, Chris? I like Virginia, but I think Ohio State's going to be sneaky good this year. You know, I think people are skipping over them a little bit with D'Angelo Russell going to the Lakers early, but they're good. Uh, and, you know, Thad Mata wins a high percentage of his games, um, just like Coach Bennett does. So he clearly knows how to retool teams regardless of who he loses. Um, but I think Virginia's experience up through through the exam break, that, that West Virginia game that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, I think up through there, Virginia's experience will be a huge benefit. I think coming out of that exam break, teams will have had two full months um, of practice under their belts at that point. It, that advantage starts uh, fading away at that point. It's not gone yet, but it starts heading the opposite direction where it doesn't matter as much after the exam break. But certainly as early as Ohio State, that may be one of the, the bigger early tests for the Buckeyes too. So um, I like Virginia in that one, but th- that's probably the biggest road challenge they have Um this this season, obviously, you know, I think their Ohio State will be a bigger challenge than George Washington will be um, on the road. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. William and Mary comes uh, next. Obviously, another state team that was in the NCAA tournament last year. Not somebody that you can look past with the schedule that's uh, about to be upon you, but uh, a team that we should be able to put away. Uh, then you got the Jimmy V Classic in West Virginia and and, and Madison Square Garden, which will be 
uh, a heck of a game. I think that that'll be a really entertaining matchup of two different styles of basketball and, and two coaches that are always on top of their game. Phony, uh, have you had any thoughts about that West Virginia contest? Man, I, I don't like West Virginia's style at all. And and I, I know <laughs> it's almost uh, hypocritical to be a Virginia guy complaining about someone else's style. I, I, you know, I think they foul constantly. I don't think it's, it, it's good-looking basketball. So, uh as far as their team this year, I don't actually know too much about them. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to be ready. Huggins is a good coach, and uh, uh, I expect us to be ready. I mean, I think, you know, we, we they, I didn't say anything about Ohio State. I think that if, if you're going to pick our first loss would probably be it, and I think you're going to see us rebounding in this game. Chris? You know, since we brought up Ohio State, circling back, something I think is interesting is they play Memphis the game before they play Virginia. And that's usually a bad sign for teams when they play someone not quite as disciplined. And I think Memphis would fall in that that category as not as disciplined as Virginia. I think and they turn around and play Virginia. That that's bad news. <laughs> the uh, yeah. West Virginia, I think, is is one of the real interesting non conference games. That will be the first real test, full court press wise, for Virginia with the new shot clock and the new. Coaches can't call a timeout to bail you out, and the count doesn't restart after the, the timeout. That that little rule change and getting that first full dose of, of a team that really gets after you full court will be West Virginia. So I'm interested to see you know, just how Virginia handles it. They've been so much better against the press than they were back when Coach Bennett first got here when he was building and building and building. You know, We all remember a couple of collapses against teams that, that pressed late in games. So they've gotten so much better at it. But I'm curious to see how they deal with it with the new rule in place. It doesn't seem like a huge thing, but I think it could be interesting just to see Virginia tested with it. Well, I think how the officials are uh, enforcing uh, you know, the, the different emphasis as far as freedom of movement and, and whatnot. I mean, with a team like West Virginia, that's going to matter and uh, could, could make a big difference in what we're able to do. Yeah, I think that's a, a very interesting uh, theory. You know, I think it's going to be a crazy a crazy game to kind of uh, sink your teeth into and wrap your head around uh, because they're going to be pressuring uh, and it, it's going to be uh, like Chris said, it's going to be very interesting to see how the rule changes uh, play into that into that game. Uh, after that, uh, we have an 11 day break for exams. We come back and, and then get two more really tough opponents, Villanova and California at home within a three day period. Um, you know, that's, two teams that are extremely well coached as well and chris what do you know about those two teams well one virginia coming out of the exam break is always an adventure (laughs) (laughs) Um, they've been good the last couple years but not always a guarantee so so that's part one playing that caliber of of competition coming out of the exam break um gets your attention let's just put it that way um fortunately both games are at home uh, and i think that will, will play a big factor Villanova, I think, is going to be really, really good. Remember, they're the, the, one of the five teams in a discussion for the number one seed last year, um, along with Virginia and Duke down down the stretch there. It was two of the three would get the number one seed. So Villanova has been really, really good um, in the regular season in particular for, for a while now. And so it's really kind of a battle of, of teams that are used to winning, that are, are used to being tested. Um, it's a noon game. I find that part of it interesting. <laughs> um, first game out of the exam break at noon. Unfortunately, um, yeah. it's Villanova. You know, I, I think if it was William and Mary in that spot, 
you'd worry a little bit that they wouldn't be up for it. I don't think that'll be an issue with it being Villanova. And then Cal, you know, has the big-time recruiting class, and Quanzo Martin has a, a big win that all of us talk about because it started the, the magical run that we're on. Quanzo, everyone should send Quanzo Martin thank you cards when he shows <laughs> with his Cal team. That's right. Yep, definitely. Um, that stretch right there, basically December from the 1st, to the 22nd uh what would i mean what are the cha- how many games do we lose in that stretch you got ohio state william and mary west virginia villanova california if, if i had to pick i i'd, I'd say and I, I reserve the right to change this once i see us against morgan state but right now i i'd say we drop ohio state and then either villanova or cal so i i say we pick up two losses and, and that and that's and that's fine <laughs> like I we are I, I think we're going to be a good team and man I'm, I Chris I, I read your board and and I worry about some of these fans for whom their expectations have been set so high and I, I think we've been getting a little bit spoiled we had two regular season losses that that last year and that's that's ridiculous and and I think people are there's some that are just expecting us to be even better than that and and maybe we will be hopefully we will be but uh don't be disappointed if we drop a game here or there even the really good teams do that and in fact it may be good for them it's I don't think it's ever good to lose because I'm competitive and as a coach it's hard for you to put that in perspective that losing is not necessarily a bad thing but um I, it wouldn't be awful for them to lose a couple games before acc play and maybe even to lose a couple in acc play um to make sure that they get it all figured out before march because i think everyone's looking at this year as a a potential breakthrough year in the tournament so to to be tested in December is necessary, even if it means a loss or two. And I think you're on point with, with two losses in that stretch. I think you know, it's hard to see them running that entire gauntlet without losing at least once. And then it's so competitive against those teams that I think two is reasonable. I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary about that. And I would just tell fans, both my message board and Twitter and anywhere else that wants to talk about it, that remember the year before, Virginia lost a lot of non-conference games the year they they first swept the regular season of the ACC tournament title, they lost a ton of games in the non-conference. So it's not a a harbinger of how the rest of the season will go necessarily. The point is to test your team and figure out what you need to do for the new year, you know, January through, you know, the end of the tournament. Yeah, they really struggled there uh, before the the break uh, two years ago. And and then that Quando Martin uh, thrashing happened and, uh, the rest is history. So yeah, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. I agree with you guys that two losses is uh, reasonable. Uh, you know, it, but as good as I think this team could be, you know, that they could they could win them all. You know, I, I can tell you this: we'll be there at the end uh, in, in all of them. I, I truly believe that this team it'll be extremely difficult to blow this team out. So uh, you know, we feel like we've really turned a corner and learned how to win basketball games, and uh, I think we're gonna definitely early in the season here see if uh, if that rings true and if we're able to kind of squeeze squeeze out some tough victories against quality teams someone posted uh, that recently just how close virginia has been even in those losses the last two years oh yeah this is not a team that gets run off the court and i don't think that's going to change they may lose a couple but being humiliated or being run out of the gym i just don't see that happening this year against anyone really i mean it could happen i guess but it's hard to look at this team on paper and think that's a 
uh, something that you would bet on that Virginia is going to lose a couple games by a lot. I just don't see that happening. I would never, I would never bet on it. And occasionally, you know, we we've seen it in the past. I remember a Washington game a few years ago pops in my head. Like, uh, you know, we see teams that just shoot the lights out. You know, no matter if you're guarding them, they're out NBA range, just draining threes. You know, that could happen. It's not going to happen often. And uh, I, this team is just too disciplined. Uh, I believe to let something like that, you know, get that far away. And versatile. That's the other thing. That's one reason they don't get blown out is they can shift the lineup or shift some minutes around to deal with matchups. You know, Coach Bennett's always talking about, well, the reason, you know, Anthony Gill played more in this game or the reason, uh, you know, Devin Hall played more in this game or Shayok or whoever it may be is because it was it was a matchup thing. And that versatility is another thing that helps them avoid, you know, blowouts or hot shooting nights. You can always flip your lineup around a little bit because you have so many good pieces yeah, we, uh, to fix it in the middle of a game. Yeah, we might have the, the uh, most unique, you know, top 10, first 10 in the lineup uh, that, that we've had under Bennett. I mean, as far as the different looks that we can put out there, I mean, if we, if we want to, you know, put out guys that, that are good shooters or, or just size, I mean, with, uh, you know, I want to see the time when we've got Salt and Reuter <laughs> down low and, uh, you know, running big guards too. I mean, I know, Mike, you're, you're a big fan of when we go small, but I, I think we've got the possibility to uh, give a lot of different looks. Yep, absolutely. Phony, uh, Tell me about, let, let's just kind of dissect the ACC schedule as a whole. Uh, I don't know if you got it in front of you, but what really stands out to you on this ACC slate? It, you know, once again, I've already seen some of the pundits, um, you know, saying that we got it easy and, um, you know, the, the whole parody thing is rearing its head again. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about our ACC schedule? Yeah, I'm, I really love it because the the hardest games that we have at home uh, are Saturday games, like the biggest games. So I, I think that the the crowd, I mean, JPJ is going to have its full advantage. I'll be shocked if we're not uh, undefeated in the ACC at JPJ this year. Now, do we drop a, a road game? Obviously, at Duke is probably the most likely loss of the whole slate. Uh, at Louisville is, is always going to be dangerous because I, I think Cal coaches against Bennett really well. I, th- I think, and not that he necessarily has things figured out, but I think uh, – He's just one of the better uh, better guys at, at figuring that, that thing out. So, uh, you know, three losses is probably and, – and, I mean, that seems – that seems too low to me. But, you know, looking at the schedule, if we're the team I think we're going to be, I, I'm not seeing more than three losses in, in conference. I thought the same thing about the home schedule. I don't see us losing one. Uh, I don't know, Chris, what are your thoughts? What's mind-boggling is that all of us can say that with a straight face now. (laughs) That's why I feel guilty saying (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't that long ago that if we had said that, you know, it would have been just hopeful orange and blue glasses. Now it's realistic. You know, no one will laugh at you for saying that. Um, Yeah, it's always tough. Virginia's been so good at home, but opening with Notre Dame will be challenging. That's a team that is coming off a historic year for their program, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of confidence going into this year similar to what Virginia was coming into last year after having their first kind of big breakout in a while. So that one's a little bit tricky. I think North Carolina late in the season, Louisville late in the season, both at home, both will be huge games in theory. Those are certainly losable games at home, but you got to like, Virginia's going to be favored in all of them. That's the thing. And 
Yep. You know, I, I think zero through, or excuse me, one through eight in the ACC is maybe even one through nine is extremely tough, and then ten through fifteen is not nearly as tough. Um, so some of those games should not be very challenging, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. When I looked at the schedule, the first thing that jumped out to me was the away schedule, and, and in particular those two Monday games on a short on a short turnaround. You know, they play Notre Dame at home, and then Monday night, two days later, they play at Virginia Tech at nine o'clock at night. Later in the month, Syracuse at home, and then nine o'clock at night um, at Wake Forest. And historically, those are two places Virginia doesn't play very well. That's last year, an exception. They played very well at Wake last year, but at Virginia Tech at Wake Forest is not always something that Virginia does very well. To do it on short rest and at nine o'clock at night, those two road games really got my attention for um, kind of an over, overall look at the schedule. That's absolutely right. I thought the same thing when I saw those two games. Those are two buildings that typically we struggle at. Uh, we did have that that dominating performance last last year, but those are those will be two interesting ones. You know, coming off a of tough home games as well on both of them. Uh, yeah, but if you're gonna have that two day turnaround on you know and, and say it's going to be a road game, I mean, where where would you rather? be florida state georgia tech i mean i i don't know that that wake's really going to be uh quite ready they've been recruiting well but uh i don't think they're going to be there yet i think virginia tech has a lot of new pieces um i mean i understand we we struggle in those games and and especially the virginia tech game i mean they're they they get up for that which is which is good i guess but uh yeah i mean those are those are going to be dangerous games but on the on the balance i think we get those so guys, let's let's uh, sum it all up here. We got thirty games uh, before the ACC tournament. Let's just start on those thirty. Uh, how many do we lose out of those thirty? And I'll start with you, Phony. Uh, I'm going to stick with the the two non-conference and and three in conference. So twenty-five and five heading into the ACC tournament. Three losses. That's not going to be worse than a two seed in conference you know maybe unc is ahead of us maybe duke uh although i doubt it um and and so uh you know hopefully we go in with a one seed still with that record but but three i mean we may invoke the tiebreaker and win uh you know get the number one seed over unc uh because of the home win all right chris let's hear your theory i think worst case scenario is probably something like 23 and 7 and I know a whole bunch of Virginia fans just yelled at their computers <laughs> at their car radio that they're playing your podcast on. But that probably is the worst-case scenario. You know, a handful of games go wrong in the non-conference, and then you lose just the big ones in conference, which wouldn't be an awful thing to lose to Duke, North Carolina, and, and say Louisville. You could end up with seven losses if you just do a couple things going wrong. And I don't think that will happen, but I do think that's the worst-case scenario. I think the flip side of that is something like, 27 and 3 or 28 and 2. Um, I think you could definitely see that with this group because they have so much experience. You know, like you don't look at this group and expect them to lose. And that's, it's a wonderful feeling to have um, as a Virginia fan and as a Virginia uh, alum. But, you know, I think if you look at it realistically and you're really breaking it down, there's an outside possibility that they could lose anywhere from five to seven games um, before tournament time gets here. But that, may or may not mean anything in, in the grand scheme of how the season is viewed ultimately. Um, but it's definitely possible because of how good the schedule is this year. 
Yeah, and all that is with the big caveat uh, of injuries. I mean, if you know the, you know, as well as we did in the regular season last year, the Justin Anderson injury was uh, that changed everything. And uh, uh, you know, God forbid a Malcolm Brogdon or something. I mean, that would uh, give a very different look, uh, at least to what I expect. Yeah, we don't do that anymore, Mike. Curtis turns them into cyborgs, man. We don't <laughs> we don't have to worry about those injuries anymore. So yeah. I, I'm gonna I, I'll hold off on mine. Uh, I, I every year I do a game by game prediction. That's the one blog post I manage to get up every year. I really heavily research uh, the the teams that we go against, and I give an honest score opinion. And it means nothing, but I have a lot of fun with it. So I'm going to reserve mine until I release that this year. It'll be my sixth consecutive year of doing that. Um, and uh, be looking for that link soon enough out there, folks, and I'll get it out to everyone. Uh, Chris, while, while I got you, man, before before we let you go, uh, with your coaching experience, I, I love having you break down plays and, and have you uh, – what I, the, the name of the – what's that feature? The double dribble. Double bonus, yeah, double bonus. Double bonus, double bonus. That 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 feature after the games where you kind of dive into exactly what Virginia was running, what what they were running against from an X and O standpoint, is has really been enlightening for me uh, over the last couple of years. You've been doing it, and um, you know one one thing I wanted to ask you, and Phony alluded to it a little bit earlier. I've been hearing some rumblings, you know, that that Jason Williford is really. Uh, pressuring Tony to, to, to go small a little bit more this year, to, to go small a little bit more in general, uh, to stretch the floor a little bit more and kind of uh, run some of the offenses that have kind of hurt us in the past and when, when we've really gotten spaced out in those very few circumstances that, that we, get, uh, we get beat a little bit on D. Is, do you think that Virginia can benefit from some of these small lineups and uh, as a coach and as a fan, when you watch Virginia basketball offensively, say last year, the last couple years, is there anything that you would do differently that you want to yell at the screen sometimes, you know, why don't we try this or, or maybe do a little bit of that? I think the biggest one is pushing in transition a little more aggressively. I like how they do it. If a guard gets a rebound, they run. If a big gets a rebound, they generally don't. Um I would like to see them maybe try to run, um, continue to be selective with it, but run a little bit more here and there um, because I think it's such an advantage with the way college defenses are. They are so packed in and so physical, and maybe that will change this year. We'll see with the, the return of the freedom of movement buzzword. We'll see if the referees actually call it or not. But college basketball is way too physical, so sometimes getting out in the open court and, and getting an easy one is just the right way to go. In terms of small ball, it's certainly all the rage. You know, like Golden State's the example in the NBA, but you can look around college and find a lot of teams that do it too. Um, the teams that have the ability to do it, in other words, they have rosters that are flexible enough to allow it. Um, it's certainly something that, that you can experiment with. Virginia did it last year. Remember, like, they, they did play small ball some with Nolte at the stretch forward up until when Justin Anderson got hurt. Yeah. Um, they actually tried it in the second half of the UNC ACC tournament game some. So it's not something that Coach Bennett is allergic to. But ultimately, anytime you make a decision to go small, you have to, to figure out what the efficiency bonus or trade-off is going to be by doing that. So when I look at Virginia's roster, I don't see them as a 
as a super small ball team. And what I mean by that is they don't shoot lights out from three. At least they didn't last year. So that's typically where you're going to gain your advantage in playing small ball is your efficiency goes way up because you can hit more three-pointers. Where Virginia is most efficient right now is they dominate you on the offensive glass and they dominate you at the free throw line. And does going small negate the two things you do really, really well? Yes. I think it might. I think if you take a, a Mike Toby or an Anthony Gill off the floor and put Nolte there instead or put Shayok there instead, you're trading off offensive rebounds and free throws for the hope of three-pointers. And, and I think one thing we know about Coach Bennett is that it, he trusts what, what has already been proven to work. <laughs> um, so I think he will be hesitant to go small ball for really long chunks of time. But I do think he's willing to do it um, when he, he sees it as a, a potential efficiency bump. I just don't know that this roster going small automatically creates that. And, and it's a fascinating conversation to have. But, but I'm not sure that they would gain the efficiency that a lot of teams do by going small. Even from a spacing point of view, like even if you left a guy like Gil or Toby in at the five and um, you know put Nolte or Shayok or somebody like that at the four, um, Spacing only matters if you hit the shots. <laughs> you can space out as much as you want to, but if you're not going to knock down the jumpers and gain that efficiency bump from knocking down three-pointers, it really isn't going to matter. And if you're spacing things out and you only have one offensive rebounder crashing the glass, even with more space, is that going to get you as many offensive rebounds with that added stretched defense as you get from – Two guys that are really, really plus offensive rebounders. Gill and Toby are fantastic on the offensive glass. And Gill is fantastic at getting to the free throw line. So I just would say caution light is the way I would look at that. I'm not full green light, definitely go small, but I definitely wouldn't shut it down and say that's that's ridiculous. I just think you have to look at what the trade-offs are. Uh, perfect stuff. That's why, uh, that's why we had you on. Um, how about uh... – your uh, at your school, have you taught your girls any bit of the pack, pack line? <laughs> no, we don't run the pack line, but we've uh, always run a gaps defense. And essentially, what Virginia's man-to-man defense is is playing in the gaps, and we've always done that um, at Western. We we generally aren't out in the passing lanes and um, you know pressuring the ball at half court necessarily, but um, we definitely play in the gaps like Virginia does. The the biggest difference is we don't play post defense the same way that the pack line does. Um, But otherwise, the gaps are very similar, even though it's not officially the pack line. So you're not going to be trapping or uh, doing any of that stuff down in the post? Yeah, the post-to-post trap's a little harder at the high school varsity girls level than it is with with Mike Tovey and Anthony Gunn. (laughs) So give me, uh, Phony, we'll start, start with you. Give me your starting five as of today. Oh, as of today? Well, see, you got me thinking last time because you're expecting us to go small against Morgan State, which, uh, you know, I think maybe we do, but I mean... That... I ignore, ignore Morgan State, let's say against, <laughs> against GW. I'm becoming more convinced that that we're going to see um, Mario at the three uh, instead of Nolte. I'm not sure how we're going to use Nolte this year. You know, I, I go back and forth on this, and it, and it depends on, on what you ask me. So, so London Malcolm... Uh, Anthony, Mike, and and really the three is for me is the question mark, and um, you know we might see both. I think early on we're going to see both of those guys. Um, you know maybe Mario settles in at the three though uh, once we get into conference play. Chris, what what are your thoughts? I think this answer will change throughout the season. Right. Yep. Um, I think early on, 
I wouldn't be at all surprised to be see Evan Nolte be the fifth starter, but I think by the time it gets to December and January, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Shayot be that guy. So here's what we we know for sure: there are nine guy, eight what, thirteen scholarships. Nine of them, we know exactly what their role is probably going to be, and we could go through all nine guys and go, "Yeah, this is what your role is. This is what your." The four guys we don't really know are Nolte, Darius Thompson, Devin Hall, and, and Mariel Shayok. And that's because they all could play the same position and could be competing for minutes. I think the other nine, you could pretty much define what their their role is probably going to be. Maybe Isaiah Wilkins you throw in there that you're not sure about, but those four are so super. Do you have Isaiah as a stretch four? I mean, I think I think Isaiah is a, a, definitely a four, and I think he had good range to heels on the three point line last year, and I think he's a good twenty pounds stronger now than he was. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him. Uh, be able to stretch and, and hit that three some. The question is, will he have the green light to shoot it or not? Right. <laughs> um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, you know, I. You like that? I didn't give you a starting lineup. Yeah. That was an ex. See, I expertly wiggled right out of that question. Right. <laughs> we didn't even That's realize. Okay. It, it, it's going to be a, an ever changing thing, and I, it's just—it's always fun message board material. Everybody wants to know, you know, who the five's going to be, and. Uh, I think early in the season it will be dictated by matchup, um, among other things. And, uh, you know, I also would not be surprised to, to see Nolte out there. I thought it was pretty pretty funny that the uh, uh, one of the stat services released something. I, I retweeted it. I don't remember exactly the source. But uh, Evan Nolte had the highest plus minus. Plus minus. <laughs> minus? Plus minus of anyone on the roster. Uh, and that just blew some people's mind. Even when I tweeted it, there were a couple people that were like, come on, man, that's just an anomaly. And I'm like, you know, is it? Or, or does he do a lot of little things that help a team score that uh, and, and defend that, that you're not noticing, you know? So, um, you know, we'll see. I'm very interested to see his role in his senior year. I'm so interested to see how Mike takes the uh, reins on his senior year as well. Um, but uh, we're running a little long here. I guess we could probably uh, cut this off. I want to thank... Chris Wright, very much for joining us. He's with thesaber.com. You can find him there. Uh, his Twitter handle is at thesaber. Uh, the, the men's basketball ma- uh, message board is usually a beacon of positivity because we're good. Uh, you may not want to stray too far from that board if you <laughs> want to stay sane, but um, you know that's what football season's for, to get us all riled up. Um, so, Chris, thanks a lot for joining us. I appreciate you being with us. Yeah, anytime, and we can do X's and O's anytime you want. I love writing the double bonus and love talking about it in general. <laughs> you are gonna, you, you are officially going to be our X and O guy moving forward, and as we get into the season, uh, when there's some uh, interesting matchups uh, to dive into, we'd love to be able to have you on. Um, and, you know, I, I know you'll do a great job breaking that stuff down. Yeah, thanks so much. Literally, anytime. <laughs> You got it, buddy. We will definitely add you in. Um, and phony, fifty days, my friend. Fifty days. I know. I, I'm I'm counting on the days. Football. I'll let you know Saturday morning how I feel about football. Um, 
you know, I'm I watch every minute of every game, but it's it's hard not to keep one eye on November thirteenth. Uh, we we got some uh, verbal commitments. I mean, not not for the team for the podcast. Uh, Sean Singletary and John Rothstein uh, both said they'd uh, come on, and I, th- I think we've got some other lines in the water for uh, guys. So we've we've got some really strong episodes coming up, and and guys who know a lot more about what we're talking about than I do. So yeah, we, we've uh, got a we've got a current player who's trying to uh, work it out to join us as well i'm really excited about a couple other uh, national media members that have uh, agreed to join so uh we're really excited about this upcoming season i think we're gonna uh, up our level of guests uh, even higher and, and uh you know with phony's help we really kind of blew it out of the water last year so uh, we look forward to providing you guys some great content um and we are all just super pumped to get uh back on the hardwood here this fall so uh for phony bennett and chris wright I am Mike Pittman. Uh, Thanks a lot for joining us, and as always, wahoo wah.